Cher Hyde was a groundbreaking sexologist who was ridiculed by the establishment. Today, we're celebrating her work with Nicole Newnham, who's made a documentary about her. Here's Nicole. I think it's really important to take women out of history who have changed things and thought kind of ahead of their time and look back at them from now. Stay tuned to find out more about Cher in today's Girls on Film. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I'm going to get that gun of mine, and I'm going to change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. Some people call me a freak. I hate that word. I don't believe in it. Better yet, I don't believe in labels. You know, I think you're the only girl in the world that can stand on a stage with a spotlight in her eye and still see a diamond inside a man's pocket. Because I'm up at five every morning working my ass off. Does someone want to just tell me to my face, you're never going to give me the scores I deserve? Hello and welcome to Girls on Film. I'm Anna Smith. And today we're talking about the disappearance of Cher Height, which is a fascinating documentary that profiles the life and work of sexologist Cher Height. It's in UK cinemas from the 12th of January. Height's book, The Height Report, is the result of her groundbreaking detailed research into female sexuality, which radically redefined the understanding of female sexual experience. The books shared the sexual experiences of many women and brought conversations about female pleasure into the mainstream. The doc also shows how Cher confused and angered many men who questioned her methodology. It features the voice of Dakota Johnson and is directed by Nicole Newnham. Nicole last joined Girls on Film in episode 41 to talk about her documentary Crip Camp. I'm pleased to welcome her back today. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Congratulations on the film. What an important story to be told. And much to my shame, as a feminist, I had not heard of Cher Height before. So thank you for bringing her to my attention. You're welcome. Glad you got to discover her through the film. I certainly did. And I was absolutely riveted. Um, I am imagining that you came across her when you were a bit younger. But tell me about your first experience of discovering her. I'll never forget it. It was like a rainy day in the 1970s in Oregon. I was 12 years old-ish. And I was rooting around in my mother's bedside chest where she would hide things she didn't want me to find. And I found a copy of The Height Report. And it was just like being sucked through some kind of portal into a world of women talking about their sexual lives, these thousands of women that Sherhide had surveyed. It was uh, a world that I otherwise did not have access to, not only as a child, where I was getting these horrible pamphlets that were warning me about getting pregnant and not getting venereal diseases <laughs> and not kind of like warm and, um, and uh, frank and honest descriptions of what women were really feeling about sex throughout the rest of my life. I remembered what those women said, and I would be thankful to share height throughout my life. So when I read that she had passed away in 2020 and the headline in the New York Times obituary said, share height, she explained how women orgasm and she was hated for it. It really stopped me in my tracks. And that was kind of the genesis of the idea of doing something about her story. I am 21 years old, of Hawaiian and Chinese ancestry. I have been married for two years. We're lower middle class, my husband a college student, and I an unemployed secretary. I'm 23, Jewish, raised mostly in New York, 39 years old, black, physical education teacher. Age 47, brought up strict Methodist. 32, college dropout. I was 75 this September, living alone. And I don't miss anything. I can always tell if my partner really wants me for me or me for my body. For years, I never told my real needs to a man. To a woman, I can say how I want to feel. 
So how did you start with this dog? I started going down a rabbit hole of watching her online. She's a very mysterious creature and her reputation had been kind of flattened into this sort of 2D caricature. So it was really intriguing to try to figure out, you know, who was she? How did she do this work? Um, How did it come to be? And also, like, how did it how did it come to be that there was such a furious backlash against her and her work? I was fascinated by it. And then I had this fortuitous meeting with a producer at NBC News Studios, Molly O'Brien. And she said, oh, you should think of us for your future projects. This was after my previous film, Crip Camp. She said, for example, we're working on a film about a sex researcher, female sex researcher from the 1970s. And I said, oh, my God, Molly, if it's share height, please, please (laughs) come to me. You know, I really want to do that film. And so they did. And it turned out there was a young producer in her early 30s at NBC News Studios who had read the same obituary I did, had the same idea. But from the perspective of, you know, hey, wait a minute, I studied women's studies in college. Why have I never heard of share height? She went into the NBC archive and this just massive volume of archival popped up as though, you know, she had typed in this huge celebrity that everyone would have heard of. But of course, no one remembers. Well, very few people remember share height anymore, at least people of Erica's generation. So um, so it was this this very fortuitous coming together where they were looking to start a project and, and I was too. And we found each other right at the right time. And what were the key elements that you both discussed in terms of how you wanted to approach this and how you wanted the structure to be? They had um, come to me with an idea that was kind of like tying Sherheit into contemporary efforts to talk about similar issues. And I really felt that the story kind of stood on its own, almost as a little bit of a a fable or something. It's a very kind of operatic, big story. And the more we started to dive into Cher, she really seemed to me like a huge female character. I was very moved to discover that she had really loved the heroines of film noir films, for instance, and that she had modeled herself after these strong and complicated women. And I thought to give her a a big cinematic moment. Plan for not being a stereotyped creation of your society. Number one. Spend three days alone. Number two, take yourself seriously. Number three, whenever caught in a situation where you are made to feel girlish and helpless, bitchy and aggressive, or any other stereotype, leave immediately and do any action which you enjoy and is yours. And then as we discovered her uh, writings in the Harvard archive, where she had written all these contemporaneous things about her experience and life as she was going through it, then it seemed as though we had the opportunity to really tell the story from her point of view in a very immersive way that didn't go outside to kind of outside commentary, but stuck to her story. And my editor, um, Eileen Meyer, is really talented at, at this kind of thing where you feel like you've been strapped into a ride and you just you just go, you know. I felt that the underlying structure of the film should help illuminate this idea of what I would <laughs> call the architecture of silence. So like, how, how does it happen that someone gets to be silenced? You know, this sort of idea of this sort of ceaseless backlash against progress and women's rights, you know? So there's this iconoclastic people and movements who push us forward, then there's the backlash and then there's the forgetting. And so the film is sort of a, you know, a rise and fall and rebirth in a way. 
My legs usually collapse in a diamond shape, and that is how I fall asleep. Open, closed, apart, apart, apart. We try to put together a composite picture of what everybody said. I love vaginal penetration if accompanied by clitoral foreplay. Circle with exonet means manual stimulation plus intercourse equals orgasm. Purple, prefer with penetration. It was kind of like embroidery like little stitches, then they all had to come together and mean something and form a larger pattern. Dakota Johnson is just so perfect as the voice. How did you land on her as a choice? I started thinking about her because she's an amazing actress and also because she's the co-creative director of a company called Maud. That's like a sexual wellness product company. And she's been really outspoken about female sexual health and wellness, and really brave, I think, in, in talking about that alongside her career. And then I watched The Lost Daughter again, and I just think her performance in that is so heart-stopping and brilliant. And so imagining that kind of combination of femininity and strength applied to Cher was very exciting. And I thought she might be interested because of her work with sexuality. And not only was she interested, but she called back and said, um, you know, let's get this straight. Like, I love Cher Height. She's a hero of mine. And if I could have dinner with her tonight, I would. She's the kind of person I would want to hang out with. And she had actually uh, seen a project earlier cross her path about Cher that she didn't feel the project was quite right, but she'd become kind of attached to the story. So she came back to me very excited. And I have to say that her performance, it was sort of beyond our imagination, what she was able to to bring to it in terms of really being that voice of um, how Cher talks to herself, you know? I thought she did that in a way that I haven't really heard in, in other narration of this kind. So it was incredible working with her. Having to support myself, what were my alternatives? To become an out-and-out -out prostitute? To be a secretary? To get married? Of all forms of prostitution, any job within the system is, I preferred this. Modeling allowed me the most independence of all with perhaps the least personal involvement. It feels really intimate and you do feel like you're getting to know someone. Um, and, and there's a lot of the talk in, in the film and, and criticism and observations that she was judged partly because she was a model, she was beautiful, she dressed a certain way, perhaps in a time where that was seen to contradict ideas of feminism, but also in a way that confused and threatened men. Do you feel that she was ahead of her time and that the world is a little bit more accepting now? Do you think that's still a pertinent issue, really, when, when women are talking about this kind of thing? The women who are responding to Cher's questions in the Height Report, a lot of them, you know, she started the work, I think, around 1971. So a lot of them were writing back to her from a pre-Roe v. Wade era. And that's the era that people are trying to drag us back into now. It's very painful and visceral, I think, for women in the United States, at least, to relive this history. But I think even like globally, the conversations that were happening in the 1970s and that we get to see in the heady throes of the second wave of the feminist movement in the film and that and that Cher and her colleagues were engaged in this project of, you know, how can we free people from these, you know, confining constructs of gender and sexuality and how can we create better relationships between men and women? And, and they believed that partly that required open, free conversation about sex. So you see people on these talk shows in the 1970s in the film talking freely about clitoral stimulation and things that you just would not hear. 
At the start of your book, you write, Masturbation is, in a very real sense, one of the most important subjects discussed in this book and a cause for celebration. Would you talk about that? Well, masturbation is really a cause for celebration because it represents female sexuality underground. The majority of women, even since Kinsey's time, know how to masturbate to orgasm easily, regularly, with great pleasure. So this shows that women know how to have orgasms when they want, contrary to the popular stereotype that women have a problem, in quotes, with sex. I do think there's feminist media on TikTok and there's ways in which the younger generation really kind of do live in a post-share height world. I think she did make a huge difference along with many other women who worked along the same lines as Cher. But the political forces that we see amassing in the film, um, the rise of the Christian right in the United States and the, and the backlash that we see, you know, sort of strengthening, um, unfortunately, is still a huge part of our daily reality. So I, I think we, we realized people at the end of hearing this story would feel a combination of things, a real heaviness of this sort of endless cycle, and then hopefully some inspiration from how share in this kind of creative and iconoclastic way really was able to make an extraordinary cultural change. Yeah, it does have a celebratory note and an inspiring note, and it certainly spurred me to carry on doing what I do. I remember working at Women's Magazine in the 90s and we did a sex survey then. And, you know, and that felt really important. Um, and But it was, so it was actually really quite similar to what she was doing, but I'd never heard of her. It's so strange. And now on Girls on Film podcast on our awards, we have a Female Orgasm of the Year Award. We have other more serious awards, but, but in a way this is serious. We're celebrating a positive depiction of women having pleasure, which is what she would have approved of. That was a big cause of hers, actually, was the depiction of, of female pleasure in, or the lack of it, you know, in, in media. Exactly. And, you know, this, I think we're hopefully seeing more films now about incredible women like her who have been all but forgotten by history. Clearly, you feel passionate about being a part of finding those women, you know, telling people more about them. Do you want to talk to that a little bit in general in terms of the cultural scene now? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I, I felt that it was really great that Barbie was <laughs> giving people kind of a 101 in patriarchy as a concept before they would watch this film. You know what I mean? I think those things are all, uh, they, there has to be a, a lot of them and they have to be coming from different perspectives. One of the perspectives that I personally think is really important is history. I think it's really important to take women out of history who have changed things and thought kind of ahead of their time and look back at them from now. That was the spirit of Crip Camp too, was the idea of this story that had been overlooked and yet was like incredibly relevant and important to our time. Because of its capacity to inspire in a radical way, movement building and organizing and change making, you know, and, and I guess I think that's the thing that makes me the angriest, which maybe drives me the most, is like thinking about what's lost when we lose those people. Like any feeling, you can't say, what does cold feel like? You know, what does anything feel like? We had to translate from prose, these little mini stories that women were writing, into something like always, usually. Do your orgasms usually occur during cunnilingus, manual clitoral stimulation, intercourse, or other activity? Sometimes, rarely, never. I've never reached orgasm through intercourse. I always have them during masturbation. I've only made love once with a woman. I was too nervous to achieve orgasm. I've also had orgasms with no sexual stimulation, just running down a street in dreams and at other odd moments.
another thing she brings up which feels like very current is male vulnerability and you know men feeling comfortable or not comfortable in expressing their emotions and talking openly about emotions and sex and I I love the way that your film really draws that out yeah thank you for bringing that up it was important to have the combination of that very sincere way in which she believed that you know we couldn't just um achieve better relationships between men and women or further equality for women by radicalizing women and informing women men had to be changed also there's a line in the film where she says like you know it's great the women have been to conscious raising groups but the men haven't you know so she takes on this project around male sexuality and then that of course is kind of the bridge too far i think um for for a lot of men was that she was not just kind of like getting women riled up but now she was purporting to tell men something about how they felt which of course she wasn't really she was <laughs> allowing men to tell men how 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 men felt but even that was was too frightening so i think what was important to us was to have a counterbalance so you see these men on talk shows who are extremely triggered and frightened by what she's saying can't deal with the idea of intimacy or examining patriarchal structures that they lived within and their impact on themselves and how they might make them feel isolated or alone or emotionally cut off. On the other hand, the counterpoint is all these lovely men that Cher had uh, as colleagues and lovers and friends who were really bought into the idea of her project and her work. And that was very fortuitous and not something we planned when we started the film, which is what I love about documentary. You know, like, of course, it did take all these beautiful, lovely men to be a part of this project for the project to be as powerful as it was. And if we had not had that, I think it would have been too sort of harsh of a version of masculinity that we showed. That was a, an incredible process of like discovery for us to get to know all of these guys and see how her work had changed them and how they had embraced that. We really felt strongly that had to be a core part of the film. And it feels like it's got very wide appeal, this film. I mean, certainly I watched it with my husband. He loved it. Um, have you had uh, lots of different responses from people of all genders who've enjoyed and got something out of this film so far? Yeah, it's been really great. You know, one of the things that we really wanted, we wanted it to be something where there were on-ramps for men to come into the uh, film. But also we, we, we felt really strongly that the film needed to operate from a queer perspective since Cher was and the movement that her work grew out of really was. I think the way she thought about sexual identity and gender identity was very prescient. And she was very aware that she was fighting alongside LGBTQ movements and that she was being attacked alongside them. So that was very important to us, too. It's been great, I think, to see that the film feels very relevant and exciting to lots of young people, lots of queer people, young people coming in and kind of being like, well, what the hell? Why didn't I know about her? Older people actually being like, oh, yeah, it felt really good when we were engaged in this sort of opening of uh, culture around sexuality and why can't we go back there and everything from all of those wonderful responses to also it's ginning up things for couples you know I've heard a number of stories of, of couples having arguments on the way home from seeing the movie because it's bringing up you know things that that are lying dormant in in our culture today I think and whereas I don't really want you know people to be having fights in the car on the way home from seeing a movie I think they're, they're conversations that are really important for us to be having. So I think that's good too. I never even told my mother when I started menstruating. And I went on birth control on my own through Planned Parenthood. 
I'd like to thank them, right here. I don't fall in love. I find it hard to trust, to be open with men. I would like to act freely and happily on my impulses and desires. For many years, I've thought I was different to other women. It has caused me a great deal of worry. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about in terms of the making of this film or any of the challenges or anything you're proud of achieving? We had a group of women working in the edit room together across generations. We had our consulting editor, Mary Lampson, who's in her late 70s, Eileen Meyer, our editor, and Lauren Schwartzman, our associate editor, who are in their mid to late 30s, and myself. And so we were uh, a broad spectrum of women and we all fell in love with her slowly as we got to know her. And another thing, all these sort of fragments and shards from the Harvard archive where she put her material at the Schlesinger Library at Radcliffe, actually, from scraps of writing on the backs of napkins to a photograph here to a little diary journal there to an old VHS tape that had an old show that was forgotten by time, except that she saved it. I think we felt in a way like we were witnessing and kind of paying attention to the movie that she was kind of making of her own life as she was living it. And it felt a lot like reconstructing a, you know, Greek vase um, in an archaeological dig or something, kind of like finding a piece and going, oh, that's really precious. Where does that go? And um, putting it together and trying to build a whole person and celebrating her, you know, her fashion, her color palette, her <laughs> her love of her dog, like all these things that are just very human and and very delightful. And um, and so I'm 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 proud to the extent that the film does feel like a three dimensional portrait of a person who had really been made one dimensional by history. You should be proud. It's a terrific film. It's an important film. It's an enjoyable film. And I feel quite moved listening to you speak about it because I feel like you have such a connection with your subject. So um, congratulations again on, on achieving that for yourself and for all of us watching. Thank you so much, Nicole. It's been a great pleasure. Yeah, great to talk to you. You're listening to Girls on Film. I'm Anna Smith and I was joined by Nicole Newnham. You can watch The Disappearance of Cher Height from the 12th of January 2023 in UK cinemas. Girls on Film is an HLA production brought to you by executive producer Hedda Archbold, producer Charlotte Matheson and audio editor Alex Jones. Thanks to our partners for this episode, Dogwoof and NBC Universal. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon. That's pretty <laughs> radical stuff for 1976. Yes, it was. <laughs>